Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant as we talk through who I believe are the most relevant players across Supercoach, AFL, Fantasy, and Dream Team for the 2021 Fantasy Footy season. Number 11, Brody Grundy. He's been a top fiver in this list over the past few seasons, but he just drifted out a little bit. Why? Well, that's what this episode we're going to talk all about with fellow panellist Jimmy making his uh, first return back for the year. Hello, mate. Hello, MJ. Hello, listeners. It's good to be back. It's um, It's been a long uh, hibernation over summer, but here we are. Well, mate, it has been a long time. You've got your premiership hangover still, and fair enough too, but there is still plenty to talk about, Brody. Just the 26 years old. Yeah, it feels like he's been around even longer than that. It's just he's been that dominant for that long. Uh, as a Ruckman, yet again, he still delivered some really strong scores for us last year. His best ever AFL fantasy and dream team score came against the Cats. It was a 119. That's not an adjusted average score. It's actually what he delivered while in Supercoach. It was a career-high score. Funnily enough, it was against Tim English and the Western Bulldogs, the team he loves to play, with a 179. Uh, his best ever AFL fantasy score, that came back in 2019 against the GWS Giants and a 181. He's going to be priced at an average of 90.9 for us in Dream Team, multiplying that by 1.25 for AFL Fantasy. That's adjusted up to a 113.6, while Supercoach is sitting at a 120.6. In that format, priced just under $650,000. In AFL Fantasy, just over $860,000, while just under $840K in Dream Team. And Jimmy, when we think about dominant premiums over the last couple of seasons, arguably the first name that comes to mind is Brody Grundy because he's been that good for that long. Oh, he has. And it, it's, you know, one of those things I think people often, um, you know, we saw it with, with, you know, Dane Swan going back a little further and, um, you know, and others where you think, yeah, they've been that good for that long. Are they going to keep being that good? And you almost get a little complacent or start looking for reasons not to pick them. Mm. Um, but like you said, he's only 26. He's just at the peak of his powers. Now, most rucks aren't any good until they get to this age. It's true. It's really scary. And if you started him last year, you were loving how that round one score went. It was that career best 179 in Super Coach, a 114 in Dream Team and Fantasy, if you want to know what that looked like. In theory, by the adjusted average, that's well over the 140 marker. Um, and even with the shortened quarters, he still led the league for hitouts, averaging 32 uh, per game. And he ranked 20th in the league for total stoppage clearances. Just incredibly elite at what he does. From a fantasy footy perspective, he averaged 90.9 in Dream Team and Fantasy. The adjusted average of, his, of that is up at that 113 that we've already alluded to. Five tons. Six additional scores between 90 and 99, plus a score of 82. Remember, in these formats, due to the shortened quarters, 80 was the considered 100 marker of the previous year. That's incredible. 12 of his 17 games considered in the adjusted average of a ton. While in Supercoach, a 120 average, marginally down on what he'd done the past few years. Still, 15 tons. How's that, Jimmy, for a down year to be 15? I was going to say, when that's your down year, I don't think it's that far down. It and really I mean, isn't. 
We've got to keep in mind it was a year unlike any... I mean, no asterisks on the flag, of course, but it was a year unlike any other, um, you know, as much as we're all sick of that phrase too. But it's... You can't... I don't know that we can place too much on any sort of a downturn in yeah. last year, and especially when these numbers were still pretty decent when you look at it from that angle. Um, you know, that, that is what it is. I think all you've got to look at is um, coming into this year... What reasons do we have to think that that downward trend might continue? Well, I think that's the big point, isn't it? Is where do we think his trend moves? Is it towards more of a North Territory um, of like a 2019, where that year in fantasy he scored 17 tons, 11 over 120? Or in Supercoach that year, where his seasonal average was 130 and 18 tons, 16 of them were over 120? Do we think he's closer to this territory? Or do we think what we might have seen... You know, at the back end, it was there because you look over his past three seasons, he's got perfect durability, hasn't missed one of the available 61 games. And then to go with that, his ability to convert scores into hundreds is insane. In Supercoach, he scored 52 tons since 2018. If you like your percentages, that's 85% of games played. Grundy's tonning up, while in Fantasy and Dream Team, if you want to use the adjusted averages, so counting its scores of 80-plus from last year, it's 78%. If you want it to be more pure and only count scores that he actually did deliver, then it's still a pretty impressive 67% of tons over the past three years. Like, there's nothing really to not like about Brody Grundy, is there? No, that's the thing. So I think when we're looking at him then, we're starting to to go hunting for reasons rather than looking at directly what's in front of us. And, and some of those reasons might be valid. You know, we've got to look at what is the, the Pies Ruck structure going to look like mm. this year? Um, what is the team as a whole going to look like? I mean, they, they identified rightly or wrongly that they had more inside mids than they needed and Trelaw was surplus to demand, which, um, you know, good luck to them, I suppose. Yeah. But if, you know, is this a sign of that they're going to try some new and interesting things this year because whatever Colin would have been doing over the recent history hasn't worked. Yep. Um, are they going to try something different? And that's the sort of thing I suppose that we're kind of looking at, but um, to a degree where we're crystal balling a little bit on that one. Yeah, I think so. Look, it, it, there's, a, there's a clear split across his season of when his scoring mm. did start to slow. Over the first 11 rounds in Dream Team and Fantasy, he was averaging 93.3 or up at an adjusted average of 116. That's around the marker of what he was doing the years prior. Yeah. Supercoach. So you're very happy when you started this. So happy. 123.6 in Supercoach over those first 11 rounds. Again, a little down, but gosh, if we're saying at 123 is a little down, it's okay. However, in the final six rounds, he still averaged 115 in Supercoach. So again, a differential of only negative eight between the first 11 and the last six, while in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, it's a little bit more pronounced. A, a discrepancy of 14.6 points per game less in that format or an adjusted average of 18.3 um, in those final few. So I think we've got to look at what caused the scoring slide. And it feels wrong to say this is a, a scoring slide. Like, eight points in Supercoach? Really? Like, are we going to get that nitty-gritty or, you know, 15 points rounding it? In DT, like, let's look at the reasons. There's a couple. I think there's one that's genuine. For some, um, they would say, well, because of the condensed fixture, Collingwood were trying to, you know, 
make sure it was cherry ripe for finals. So they managed his time on ground a little bit. They they managed his work rate and role and gave others like Cameron and Cox a little more opportunity through, you know, the rucks. Okay, sure, that, that narrative holds some water. Um, for others, they go, well, he just like many hated hub life and um you know we're getting contribution from the youngest member of the jimmy family here on on the podcast <laughs> it's all right he's disagreeing with the point that's fine um is they like, go well, life, i never leave the house well that's true <laughs> <laughs> you know is 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 just the fatigue and the exhaustion of hub life we saw that some players really struggled with that and i've been quite open and honest about that jeremy cameron who we talked about in the 50 most relevant as the number one player for the 50 most relevant in terms of launching out at 50 he said he mm hated hub life and just wanted space and he couldn't get it so so that could be a narrative because for Brody that's got some runs on the board for me I think the thing that's clear and trending some say he was battling an injury nothing's come out about that for me the thing that's obvious is when he played with Darcy Cameron his Mm. scoring was affected Darcy more than Mason is a better ruckman that's not having a dig at Mason. We're not about doing that. Um, but Darcy's he's certainly elite, more advanced. Didn't you hear? Yeah, well, well, in Twitter he's elite. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> but but you know he he averaged twelve point two per games less in AFL fantasy and twenty five points per game less in Super Coach whenever he, as in Brody Grundy, played alongside Darcy Cameron. And you mentioned that interesting point right a few minutes ago, Jimmy. I'm keen on your take. What is that Collingwood, not just midfield structure out with no Trelaw now, what does that forward line look like as they enter into this new year? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing. And I mean, you've got um, you know, a number of different options for them now. I mean, even um, someone like a, a, a Jordan go is he going to mm. play forward or is he going to play midfield? Um, is Sidebottom going to play forward or is he going to play midfield? They've got a number of players that they can structure things up differently. And I don't think it's, you know, it's a case where we're going to see... Um, Grundy playing as a forward. I don't think any of us no. expect that, but it's more about who are the tall options that they're going to bring in and how many of them are there and are any of them going to be taking that ruck time away from Grundy? Um, and if so, is Grundy sitting on the bench or is he sitting on a wing when that happens or is he sitting at half back or where is he at that time? So I don't, yeah, it's, it's a factor, definitely. Sure. I mean, we're not going to see too much of that until round one teams are named, but even then, that's only for round one. Yeah. Um, we get one genuine game of preseason. Um, this year, um, but it's only one game, and so it's hard to take too many inferences out of that. What I think it does tell us is that there is a genuine question mark around his scoring, and there's yep. a genuine factor that can influence that scoring when it does occur. And so, to a very large degree, we've got to try and guess is that a case now where, because of those lower games last year, does Grundy represent value yeah. compared to what we know he can do? Um, or does he represent risk of that happening more often than not? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. We look at 2020, do you use elements of the year as causation or just pure correlation in, in terms of how you want to look to the year? Do you go, well, Cox was playing, Cameron was playing, Grundy was sore, maybe they were managing him. You know, how much of this was there, the shortened quarters, trialing new things with the forward structure, or, or just how much of it was just, different things that were unassociated or unaligned to each other. Like you said, that's going to largely inform whether or not you believe, okay, there's something I need to be concerned about, or at least I want to watch, so maybe I'll make him an upgrade target because of that. Or I'll go, gosh, for the first time in four years, Grundy's got some... 
some value and I'm not having to pay big dollars for him. It's still big dollars, mm. but it's not as big as it was 12 months ago. No, that's the thing. And and with that too now, we're also in a, a situation this year, um, more than, than some others we've had recently, where there's some really interesting options yeah. to go with in, in your ruck strategy for, across the formats. Um, because you've got your Grundies and your Gorns that um, you know, we know what they should be able to do or yeah. what they could do. You've then got your more left field options uh, like your, your Riley O'Brien. Mm. Um, and then you've got um, players like um, uh, someone might suggest a Rowan Marshall could have an impact um, across things too. So there's some different um, some options there. You've got Pruce who's going to be yeah. fairly fit. Um, and so, you know, as, yeah, do you start with a Grundy or do you upgrade to him? If you're upgrading to him, you're going to be paying the equivalent in season more than what you're starting him for. Yeah. Um, which makes him very hard to afford. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Is you can look at it and go, well, he's potentially as cheap as he's going to get all year. Do I jump mm. on and jump on him now and partner him, either him as R1 and then put one of those other names that you suggested at R2? Or do I do I put a Max Gorn in at R1 and I just go set and forget with them both and cop the donut in the bone in the um you know in the ruck line you know in round 14 mm. from a multi-buy but you're right you've got yeah. options now which we haven't really had in the ruck division in terms of mm. how you view it we go well maybe i'll put marshall in at r2 i'll i'll run a mid pricer that i like more in the forward or back line and then i'll use dpp to move him oh no i loved o'brien's end of the year I think he's a genuine enough guy that can compete and match or even outpass Grundy. Yep. Or, like you said, Braden Pruce, mid-price ruck, no competition for spot. Shoney can score when he's there. So it is probably the first time in years coaches that do have a hesitancy about Grundy have an avenue to pursue. Equally, like you said, if you think he's still going to pop during the year, he's not going to be much cheaper than he is now. No, that's it. So it's an interesting sort of thing to try and plan your way through there. And um, you know, we're not going to know the right answer to at least round 14. And of course, hmm. as you said, then you've got the buy rounds to consider there too. So it's um, um, that said, there's a lot that can happen in 14 weeks of football. So who knows whether the two you start with or the two you've got by that point. But yeah, I just, um, well, I, I wouldn't be talking anyone out of no. from from all of those points of view. You know, we know what he can do. And if anyone was telling you, yeah, I'm going to start Grundy this year. Like, Fair enough too. Yeah, you're um, not going to be like, why are you doing that's that? That's it. That's a ridiculous call. Why it, are you doing that? No, it's not the no, Tom Hickey absolutely. comment. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Um, so that from that angle, absolutely. Um, but there are, I think, if you're a little uh, so inclined and, and you're wanting to find reasons not to pick him or, or to bet against him, the reasons are there. Correct? Yeah, which, which for maybe 24, 48 months prior to, hasn't really been there. He does come up against his favourite side in round one in the Western Bulldogs in his last three in Supercoach. He scored 179, 174, 160. That's a three-game average of 171. What, what night of the week is that game on, MJ? Oh, yeah. It's after Carlton, maybe. Yeah, I feel like it's a loophole option. It might be a loophole option. Who knows, mate? Who knows? Um, while in Fantasy and Dream Team, this is not using any adjusted scores, by the way. 114, 168, and 154. It's a 145 average. Um, that's the points he's actually delivered. However, just as a caveat, Tim English is noticeably bulked up. And yeah. they brought in Stefan Martin. Even just for that one game, mm -hmm. if nothing else, if they wanted to double-team him, there's options. So it's not the, the fate accompli that he's going to absolutely brain it against the dogs like historically, although no. it's still a potential outcome. 
Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, and it's a potential outcome with him against any team, though, as we've seen. He's got that yeah. feeling about him. Um, on any given week, he can absolutely destroy you if you don't have him. Um, betting against him, and, and that's the thing I think we can take out of last year. Even when he's not at his best, he's still pretty good. Still pretty good. What was that? 115 average in Supercoach, yeah. and what, 90-odd in Dream Team? That's, mm. that's, that's not going to destroy your season. No, that's it. It's a safe risk to take if yeah. you're so inclined. Well, that's the thing. Like you've, we've said a couple of times, and I'm keen to get your thoughts about where he goes in drafts in a minute. It's the, mm. if you think he's value, uh, go for it. Absolutely pick him. If you've got some concerns and uncertainty and you want a few weeks of game data to check it, you've now got options to be able to get away with doing that and make that work out, whether it be the DPP, mm. the stepping stone, or another premium you think that's comparable. So however you choose to look at Brody, you can feel valid in your decision-making. The question is, though, for those that get him in draft, there is only one Brody Grundy last year. He felt like the consensus number one pick. Is he that again this year? Or is he... No, I don't think he's a number one pick. I think that he's very much a a first-round option. If Again, if you're so inclined and you believe he's going to get back to where he was... Um, the thing this year, um, perhaps a little more so than others, is as we hinted before, there are a number of ruck options that mm. you can feel comfortable picking. In, in some of the previous years, there's maybe only been you know, him and Gorn, and then a second tier of a handful, and then everyone else, you're going, crap, I'm not going to pick one until the 17th round. <laughs> um, this year, I think you can feel comfortable that if you don't get a Grundy or a Gorn early, you can still pick up a pretty decent rucker you know, along the way. So. I think in most drafts, you're going to see him go a bit later than he did last year. Um, sort of probably late first is my, my okay. feel on You, you on think he's still there. going to be there around picks six, seven, and eight potentially? Uh, potentially, he could be. There'll be some drafts where he does go pick two or three. Yeah, um, sure. But I think, yeah, there will, you know, there's a, a strong likelihood. Um, in more drafts than not, his, his average position will be a, a little closer to the end of round one. Um, just with some of those other options you've got. I mean, up until uh, we heard Whitfield recently was injured, um, potentially going into round one, he would have been in the top handful. Mm. You've got Dusty and uh, a number of other very attractive forward options. You've got your standard midfield guns. There's, yeah. you, there's options in that first round. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to wreck your draft in round one. But, um, yeah, picking Grundy is not going to do that either. No, it's certainly not going to do that. All right, mate, I'm going to yeah. let you get back to being daddy daycare. Jimmy, appreciate your work today as we've talked about Brody Grundy. Uh, pleasure, mate. Good to be back. Thank you. Uh, if you want to go and read the article, it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv. As are all the other 40 players we have revealed so far, all the links for the podcast episodes you can find and check them out. And if you're loving these podcasts, you're loving the articles, and you want more from the Coaches Panel, the good news is you can get that. You can join our Patreon supporter group. There are cash tiers that are leveled out perfectly for you with exclusive content, cash prizes, meet and greets, and a whole bunch of other stuff that you just don't normally get, but our Patreons get access to. Now we're into the final 10. The 10 players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy that I think are the most relevant for the 2021 season. Maybe you've figured out who the 10 are, but have you got the order right? Well, I can tell you tomorrow, I might just ruin the order for you.